out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Welcome to episode 637 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It's Friday, February 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am joined by Justin Mason. Justin, we finally made it to February, which means baseball is absolutely close now. We can really start to get excited. Super Bowls this weekend, that's kind of the nail in the coffin for football, of course. That's their uh, kind of a weird way to say it. It's obviously their, their crowning moment, but that ends that season. And like I've said before, a lot of us that, you know, the people who really pay attention to both sports – that flips the calendar. It's go time now. How are you feeling as we head into February? I'm feeling pretty good. I got a Super Bowl question for you. Let's hear it. Okay, so I'm in this big fantasy football industry pool. Okay. We've been we've been picking all the playoff uh, win or games against the spread. Going into the Super Bowl, I am tied with another guy. So, do I pick which which team mm. I want to win, or do I play it smart and pick the Patriots? Oof. It's against the spread, right? It's yeah, like but it's two, only it's two and a half. Two point spread. Yeah, yeah, it's small spread. I think he. I think I gotta just go with the Patriots, right? Because that way, at least if the Patriots win, I can be happy about something. Yeah, because they suck. Yeah, um, and they're awesome. And, and if That's the Rams win, suck. I'll just be like, "Oh, awesome! The Rams won." Yeah, because are you are you figuring he's just gonna pick the Patriots too, and be nothing worse than losing because you didn't pick the Patriots? Yeah. So then they win, and you don't like that because it's the Patriots. 
Sorry, Patriots Stupid fans. Stupid game it. theory and just you know. And then and then and yeah, and then he 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 beats yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, think he's you're... gonna take the Patriots because he's taken the Patriots every week in this pool, and I haven't. <laughs> maybe he maybe he's going to go the other way too and try to outthink you. But yeah, I think that's probably the right move. I mean, it really is a coin flip, so I don't really have a great compelling reason to say no. You can't you can't take them. They're not gonna win. Like the way they've been playing in the playoffs, coming into the playoffs, they didn't look great the Patriots, but then they've just been killing it. So yeah, that's what I would do. And, uh, hopefully you win. And that's a good way to finish the football season because like I said, that's kind of the official start for fantasy baseball. Uh, so yeah. Football season ended with me when I turned to my last football article of the year. I like it. I like, it. I'm just talking about the, like, obviously baseball season never ends for me, but as far as getting that rush of football fanatics who really love both sports, I think we really do kind of flip the calendar. We got the uh, the time-honored tradition of MLB Network showing everything getting packed up for spring training. Got a lot of footage of that this week. So we're here. We're R- here. It's, Bryce Harper it's to the Padres rumors. Can't You know, got to get those Padres. I have a question about this. Let me know what you think here. Do you think the Padres are, are bullshitting a little bit in terms of these last few years? They get in the mix on, like, everything. Do you think they're, like, gaming it to try to look like they're always in the mix and then, ah, oh, we're second place on everything? And they did obviously they did get the one big-ish whale in, in, in Hosmer. Or do you think they're, like, serious contenders? Like, how, I'm wondering because they, they, they keep popping up in these big talks seemingly every year now, the last few years. Do you think they're legit or do they just kind of come to the table to make to, for a show to look good? I think they're legit to a certain extent. I think they're looking at what is one of the softest markets mm-hmm. uh, in the history of Major League Baseball the last few years and going, these players aren't getting paid what they're worth. So Correct. if we can get them on a discount and get some superstars in, I mean, this is a farm system that is red, that is getting close to being ready to explode into their Major League. Amazing. That's why they're such a great I, – I think they really are – uh, they should be very much in on this. It shouldn't be for show. That's why I'd be I'd be disappointed if it were. But I am asking if it's if it's legit or no. Cause we just because this I with keep... Preller a few years back before they started this rebuild, where he went out and bought every free agent. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that was pretty legit and made trades and all that sort of stuff. So okay, but you know, it'd be nice for them to land. They should be able to. They have the money, and it's Sandy freaking Diego. How and cool great would it be play. if? if they landed both Harper and Machado. Like, oh I don't God. know that they would necessarily do that, but they, yeah, they get to bring they would, up. But holy crap. Yeah. They, they get to have uh, Urias uh, and they get, uh, they bring up Tatis, Tatis and you know, they've already Their got a stacked outfield. Yep. Yeah. They, I mean, this is a team they got that Mackenzie Gore on the come up. They have Adrian Morion on the come up. I mean, they, they've got other prospects like their prospect list runs deep. We're just naming kind of the top end for those prospect mavens. They know all the, all, all the next they, level they guys. Prospects Baez, out, Allen. Yeah. They have prospects outside of their top 20. That would be top five in other systems. Oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. Top five in, 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 Decent system too, not yeah. just the bottom of the bottom. Like that. Oh, that's, sure. like, that's how deep their twenty fifth guy would probably be fourth in the giant system. I mean, Remember how hyped uh, Anderson Espinosa was on the Drew Pomerantz deal, and of course he's had yeah, TJ. He's kind of working his way back, but he's like fifteenth on their list. Oh yeah, I mean their 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 system is stacked, and we're going to start seeing the fruits of that. 
And so I wouldn't be surprised if they were trying to get another one of these big studs to kind of come in, and now they've got the beginning of this real turnaround. I mean, if they added really either Harper or Machado, they're going to be everybody's pick to be this year's Braves. They might already be, though. Yeah. That's oh, the I'm thing. Sure they they were already mm-hmm. getting hype on that. Them and the White Sox, the other team that's kind of in on on these guys, as they should be. They're the AL version. Like, they're both these teams, they should get the two. They should just, you know, figure out which one wants to go where. And obviously, Machado's been more set up for Chicago with getting some of the uh, some of his cohorts with Yonder Alonso, his brother-in-law, and John Jay, one of his best buds. You <laughs> just know, kidnapping just, members of their family. Exactly. It just <laughs> Manny Machado's son is actually the assistant GM. It's very weird <laughs> right now, but uh, just you know, just get everything locked and loaded there, and then get Harper out to San Diego. But those two teams are really intriguing. Uh, we still don't have any movement there, so we'll see where it goes. I, this could continue to drag out. So uh, there aren't really any moves to talk about. I guess we could do a quick, a quick second here on uh, on Wade Miley to Houston. Here's the thing: a- anytime that they make a move, uh, Houston makes a move with a pitcher, there is some interest to it because of what they've been able to do uh, with pitching. He did find kind of a a gem pitch last year with the cutter. That seemed to be something that really set uh, set Miley off. Here's the thing, though. When I tweeted it out, I was talking like, yeah, it was great. He used it 40%, and it really helped him be effective with a great ERA. But he still had a 7% strikeout minus walk rate, right? He wasn't getting any whiffs. Uh, he was still walking at an average rate. It's just that uh, he was limiting damage, particularly keeping the ball in the yard with 53% ground ball rate and a .3 homer per nine. That said... If they can get maybe the curveball working, we, we know how they do with uh, spin rate and everything, and they give him a second pitch, is he someone to look at here? The reason I thought Miley was going to be the type of guy they were going to get is because they weren't going to go to the top of the market. There isn't much remaining. It would probably be their own guy bringing back Keuchel. But with all this youth, they don't want somebody that they can't kick out of the rotation easily if these guys pan out, if McHugh comes back and he's great from the bullpen and then Josh James from Valdez and Forrest Whitley, you want to have somebody that you can move. If you're paying 21 mil to Keuchel, you're not putting him in the bullpen. So what do you think of Wade Miley as a back end rotation filler to Houston? Is he somebody that interests you at all after finding that cutter last year? Not really. I, I, he's just a placeholder as far as I'm concerned. I think uh, unless he is just fantastic again, and the underlying statistics aren't always glowing for him. I mean, he really, you know, got lucky in the home run rate. Uh, his BABIP was extremely low. Uh, the strikeouts disappeared. Uh, just There's a lot of things that aren't very sexy from a fantasy profile. Yep. Uh, and he's just holding place down for Forrest Whitley. So Whitley will probably be up sometime in May or June, and uh, and, and take Wade Miley's spot. Um, so I, I think AL only. There's a little bit of interest, but uh, I mean he could easily be cut or moved to the bullpen, or I guess Colin McHugh could be moved back to the bullpen if if if, if, if Miley's uh, pitching well. Yeah, I sure, and and we'll, and we'll see how it goes. Like I said, you know they need somebody that they can move back and forth uh, w- without incident. You're paying four and a half mil to Wade Miley. That's not going to be any sort of issue. So, yeah, and it works. It works with a lefty as well. Um, but 
I want to I want to see it though. I want to see it before I get any sort of excitement. He's super super cheap. Not something that's on my radar right now. I think he's like pick 500 or whatever and he's going to move up a little bit. Uh, yeah, 525. He can move up 150 picks and still be a late rounder and that's if things go crazy in spring and we get this, you know, major spin rate curve or something else for Miley. But right now it's one pitch and it made him moderately effective for 81 innings. I don't want to overrate it. All right. What we're talking about today, though, is third base. We're doing another position preview. We're diving in on third base. Again, if you want to follow along, go to the average draft position page on the NFBC. I will have it linked in the show notes. Set it on January 1st in draft champions leagues, and we're kind of following that. Once we get deeper, I don't necessarily go directly in the ADP order, but for these first uh, 20 plus or so, we will be kind of following the ADP with these groupings, and then we start to break off. So let's start with the elites. These guys um, are going all in the first round ADP. Like Baez is barely, and then I included one other guy there who's going 20 picks later, just because my question fits with his teammates. So we have Jose Ramirez at pick uh, 4.2, no one now 10.4. Alex Bregman, 12.2, Javi Baez, 15.5, and then teammate Chris Bryan at 35.5. Let's start with Ramirez. Is he the lockdown number three pick for you? No, Lindor is. Okay, and that's a lockdown. They're not interchangeable? No, they're not interchangeable for. Well, tell, tell us about that then, particularly with regards to Ramirez. Uh, where does he fall short that you, that you makes you prefer teammate uh, Francisco Lindor? We we saw quite a bit of struggles in a in a big stretch for him uh, after the huge breakout. I, I love him and I love what he did last year. I just feel like the only place to go is back at this point. I mean, there's no way he's repeating what we saw in 2018. Uh, I mean, the projections are pretty glowing, and I understand why people uh, are taking Ramirez ahead of uh, Lindor and ahead of Trey Turner, but. I don't know. I just feel more comfortable, and maybe this is uh, just more preference than anything else. I feel more comfortable taking Lindor in, in that he's going to be a consistent contributor for me all season long. Now, one thing we don't have with Ramirez that we've had in previous years, at least in uh, the NFBC, is extra position eligibility. Now, he may earn it in season if they have to move things around. And he's but got right it now, in, in, in some formats, he'll already have it. So in Yahoo, yes, correct. Uh, Tout Wars, he'll be uh, second base eligible. Second base as well. Uh, as well. With 16 games. So he should earn it in season. I could totally see that just that the way teams move players around. He'll likely earn it in season, even in NFBC. You're not really drafting for that. It's just a nice little added bonus and, and worth having in some of the leagues where it comes ready-made so you can move around within the draft. Yeah, I find he and, and Lindor kind of interchangeable. I might be leaning towards Lindor myself. I, I really do like what Lindor is able to do, not that I have anything against what uh, Jose Ramirez does. It's it's really hard to land uh, firmly on one or the other. But uh, that's the, right now we're seeing Jose Ramirez consistently go in that top four. In fact, the lowest he's gone is eight, which was, wow, wish I was in that. I mean, that that's a nice pickup right there. He went, him he went 12th in uh, the Friends Fantasy Benefits 30-team staff dynasty league. 12th. Why? 
I don't know. That I don't understand. He's going to be 26. Jose Ramirez has actually been around for a while. That's because he came up uh, and, well, he came up at 20, played 15 games. So that looks like a September call. But then 68 games at age 21, 97, and then 150 plus each of the last three years. He's only going to be 26. So he's been around for a minute now, but he's, he's still, still super young. young that's that's I, kind of the beauty of it. I don't know. It. There were some questionable picks that went ahead of went ahead of him, and of course, you know, some people like jumped up to take, you know, being being dynasty wanted to take Vlad Junior. wanted to take uh, yeah Acuna and uh, just. But you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting yeah. a 26 year old who's already elite. So I don't really get but that. Jose Ramirez is here. the reason why, like in KDS, like I just want a top four pick. Yes. Because you know, and usually Top I put four myself. Or I'm going to the back end. Yeah, usually I saw, put myself at five because, especially if you're uh, in KDS, it's usually it means NFBC and NFBC. Someone pops Scherzer usually in the in the top four, so, so that you can yeah you get one of those uh, the hitters at five still yeah yeah I, I totally so, understand or that. It, or for some reason if no one takes Scherzer then I take Trey Turner and I'm still happy so uh, I mean I prefer Lindor but. The more I think about it, I actually probably should flip-flop them because if you're going to just come up with a tiebreaker, if it's insane, so insanely close that you could flip-flop them, the tiebreaker should go to the position that is less deep, and I think third base is less deep shortstop. than shortstop. Nasty, yeah. So, so I, I totally understand that. Maybe, Both are pretty nice. Though. Yeah, maybe uh, I should be taking Jose Ramirez over well, Lindor. And and adding that second base, second base mm-hmm. is pretty rough compared to yep. the other two, so that might be where where Ramirez gets an edge. Let's move on to Nolan Arenado, who I, I still really like in that uh, in that top five to six as well. I have a hard time getting away from him. I, I think the early draft feedback right now is that he's getting pushed down a bit because he doesn't run. I don't really subscribe to that. I think that that's trying a little bit too hard. He's gone as late as fifteen. Give me that all day that's insane um he just continues to absolutely rake you know he's he's 30 uh, high 30s homers and 110 ribbies in the bank in fact before last year he was 130 ribbies in the bank 130 133 130 and then last year 110 um and you know usually a 290 plus average with it as well uh 287 is his lowest in the last four years that was back in 15 so nolan arenado is that power production through the roof He's still just 28. He's amazing. I don't really have any. I mean, I love this at, at 10. Are, are you subscribing to that, moving him down in the first round because of the lack of stolen base uh, mantra that we've heard a little bit in the market so far? No, I, I think you can get your speed in the second round or in the later rounds. I, I think there is uh, a lot of people freaking out about, about the need to get a five category contributor in the first round. I, th- I think it feels a little overblown. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have no problem taking Arenado, uh, you know, around pick. I probably have him around pick eight. And, okay. uh, you know, I have him ahead of J.D. Martinez. I have him ahead of Acuna. I have him – him and Yelich are the, are the two that I, I, I kind of debate. But I think I probably have him ahead of Yelich too. Again, that yeah, that's becomes kind of, a, a depth issue, and I, I feel more comfortable with the later options in the outfield than I do with the later options in third base. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit higher. I'm closer to maybe six, seven, but it, it, it gets really jumbled there, and I can go a lot of different ways. I can do you know six drafts in a row, picking at the same spot there at seven, and, and take somebody different each time. Like it, it is it is that tight, but I I do 
really love what Nolan Arenado does, and I'm regularly open to taking him. Just um, yeah, pair him know. with Whit Merrifield later on. It's just it, – Yeah, you can get – like. Think of I, I think it's start. trying too yeah, hard to, exactly. to get away. I think maybe he's become boring for some folks. That's insane. He's still in Colorado. Um, I know that his contract is due up soon. I don't this, know if this, this is his year, last year. Okay, and that becomes the only but concern not, is if they but, move him out of Colorado. But they're not going to. First off, they're they're not bad. Like uh, they're well, not what, some what if bad they're ten team. games back at the. You know what they're, if the Dodgers actually stay healthy, and the Dodgers just run oh you know all it takes is either freeland or, or or marquez kind of taking a step back uh they go back to being kind of a pitching needy team as a as opposed to a, a pitching uh strong team and all of a sudden they're 10 games back at the deadline you don't think they're trying to move arenado to get something no, I, I i really don't you think because i also think like that they harper I, or... I think yeah I, I think it's similar to that but i also think they'd be in the wild card like i i just don't really see a scenario see, I, I where know. they wouldn't be hanging around here. I mean, I guess there there, are there is really a really good teams in 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 the central and three really good teams and maybe even four good teams in the east. I could easily Colorado's see really good. But what I mean it, all it takes is a is, you know, a step back from a player or two. It takes the same thing for those other teams. But though, I'm too. saying what happens if they do that? You don't think they're selling him? No, I don't. I really don't. Not nevertheless even if they do, the idea that he falls apart yes, and if he I, gets traded is complete garbage. I just I, I don't talked buy about, it. I talked about this on some podcast somewhere where I said, listen, I, I think there is a chance they could trade him, but I'm. it might have been on this podcast with Jason, actually. I, I don't think it would affect him that much. I, I know everybody loves the Coors Boost, but you guys had Mike Petriello on but, a while back, and he talked about, like, you know. It's about the hangover. Yeah, like guys leave Colorado and they're not now ha- not having to deal with all the things that were negative about Colorado, which meant exactly. like playing on the road because, you know, there is no more road. So, um, so I, you, I don't have a problem with it. You tamp down the home numbers a bit, but you bring up the road exactly. numbers. You don't just take a, a Coors we Field road Corey number Dickerson. He was fine. and say that this is who they are. Yeah, and Corey Dickerson is not the hitter that Nolan Arenado mm-hmm. is, but like Larry Walker, Matt Holliday, like – Arenado's on that caliber. Mm-hmm. If Ellis he does Burns. leave, he's going to go somewhere and continue to be a stud. Now, will he uh, come down a bit? Sure, I'm fine with bringing him down from the from the mid 900s and saying he's more of an 880 OPS guy. I'm not freaking out on that, and I'm not drafting him lower on the fear that he might be traded. So that's my concern. Could he? There there are scenarios, yes. But my bottom line would be that. I don't think it matters even if he works. Okay. So that's so no one Arenado. If you if you're taking him six or seven, that means you take in. We know who the top four is. Who 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 are the other guys you're putting ahead of him? Trey Turner. Yeah, I'm pretty close on Turner and Arenado. Like I'm a big Arenado guy, so I might even have him five. Oh, okay. Like I'm just really, I just love that bankable power production. It's so consistent. That's the thing. It's I mean, so it's... strong. And I do like this Colorado club. Like I, I understand your concerns on the pitching. I actually share some of that, particularly with Marquez. I feel like we might be overrating Marquez as a fantasy asset. But even if he goes back to, say, like a 430 ERA guy, that can be successful enough in Coors. And we'll see if they can, uh, you know, get if, if John Gray can kind of bridge the gap there, right? Freeland Marquez come back, but maybe John Gray Tyler Anderson improve a little bit and kind of cut that off, and, and their bottom line team is still pretty good. But yeah, I, I just love Nolan Arenado. 
Trey Turner. Um, who else Acuna? is up there? No, no, I'm still going to Arenado there. You mentioned Yelich. JD. I'm, I'm no. I so I, I think Turner's the closest. So I'm going to go six for okay. Arenado. Is kind of my low end, and then he and Turner are kind of a coin. Yeah, I, don't, I don't get why JD Martinez is going. Like, don't get me wrong. I know he's coming off of a huge year after. Uh, another huge year, but at the same time, like Martinez has some injury history and injury risk that Arenado just doesn't have. No, we haven't. We really haven't seen that sort of uh, situation with Nolan Arenado. He's been remarkably healthy, and I love JD, and I, I can kind of have them interchangeable. But give me the the third baseman over the outfielder as well. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think we're I think we're we're pretty close there. Okay. All right, let's move on to Alex Bregman. And I'm, I have a question on him that's not related so much to his total performance, but rather his speed and and how much that's willing to continue. Only 10 stolen bases last year after 17 and 17, uh, 17 in 2017. Up, down, or the same for 19? Hmm. I'm going to say down. So it's going to go further than below the 10? No, no, I'll say I'll say push. He's gonna he'll probably he'll probably another ten. Yeah. Okay. And listen, similar to Arenado, although on a lower scale, of course, because he hasn't quite you know he hasn't done what Nolan Arenado's done. But you don't need him. You don't need Alex Bregman to be putting up the speed to make sure that he's still a high quality player. He's going to be hitting in the. He's maybe even higher. I could see that going up. I could still see the batting average. Maybe if he doesn't front the league a month. For once, he's had slow starts each of his three seasons. Even sixteen, well, and that's when the he worry about this year is is he gonna fr- is he gonna start because the of the hell DL or yeah. is he gonna start yeah. slow because he doesn't get the proper reps in spring training? I-, I tend to believe that he'll be fine. Okay, so I'm not as worried about it. Uh, he does then move kind of below uh, Machado for me. So, because oh, yeah. he, he's going ahead of uh, he's going ahead of Machado in it or in NFBC right now, I think that's a, a bit of a mistake. Even though Machado lost the third base eligibility, I was about to bring that up. Yeah, he only had sixteen. He's similar to Jose Ramirez's second base, where he's got it in other formats. I do go off and NFBC. He could, he, he could he could gain it in season as well. So, uh, but I think I push. Bregman behind Altuve, behind Machado, uh, in kind of closer to to the next guys on our list, uh, you know, kind of more 15, 16 ish as opposed to 12 where he's going, uh, especially until we see him start, you know, playing in spring. If he starts playing in spring, he's probably going to jump right back up. But uh, I, I love Alex Bregman. Dude is just on fire on Twitter. Him, him and <laughs> him roasting Trevor Bauer is like one of my favorite things. Yeah, they uh, go back uh, and forth quite on a bit. Twitter, but uh, uh, there's a tad bit of a worry there, uh, but not not a okay. huge one. Yeah, with that, it's a shoulder that he had cleaned up. Uh, yeah, elbow. Elbow. Okay, so keep that in mind. Obviously, that's something worth monitoring. So, uh, the one thing I will say about that is. Uh, this is something he's reportedly dealt with all of last season and maybe even before. And so there's a chance, one, if this is uh, kind of cleaned up and he's feeling really good, maybe he's even better and maybe he steals more because something we talked about with Elvis Andrews, like who wants to steal after just breaking their elbow? 
Yeah. So if you're dealing yeah, with elbow in. pain, or are you really wanting that could account for the drop off in stolen bases last year too. So would it surprise me if he's back up to 15 stolen bases uh, next year? It would not. That's interesting because you know we always relate everything lower half to steals. But you're talking about diving head first for steals. Maybe you don't want to uh, exacerbate an upper body injury. That's an interesting point there with Alex Bregman. But, uh, you know, he's still a stud. And I think even if he's not running much at all, he's somebody that you're going to want at, at that high end. Let's move on to the two Cubs. And they are a little split in ADP. But I still paired them together because mainly because they're teammates and because I think there's an interesting, uh, interesting discussion to be had with the pair. With Bregman or with Baez, excuse me, at 15, and Bryant 20 picks later at at 35. My question then is, what's the better bet? Baez maintaining his superstardom here, or Bryant coming back up and and catching him, maybe meeting in the middle. Baez comes back, Bryant surges up. How do you, how do you see these two here? What do you think is the better bet between those two for 19? If Bryant's healthy and supposedly he is. Then it's Bryant. I just think that... Particularly at the discount, right? Oh, for sure. And I just think that if there's going to be a season in which Chris Bryant puts it all together and hits 45, maybe 50 home runs. It's it's in his skill set to do that. He supposedly is healthy. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I think that is the upside for him. And I just don't know that with Javi, uh, Javi Baez's plate skills and discipline that he is going to be able to maintain all of the gains we saw last year. And last year was a dream season for him. And, uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong on him mm-hmm. last year. I'm still not paying for last year's production. See, that's the problem. Like I, I got no problems admitting that I, that I missed on bias and I went with, uh, you know, teammate Ian Happ or Ozzy Albies. Those three were going together and I didn't get any bias. I got the other two guys multiple times lost I, I i lost that 100 coming back though i don't know if i'm running it back at pick 15 and not that i think he's going to flop and be you know the 150th hitter for javier Baez, because we've seen advancements pretty much every year so, and i think that 42 percent strikeout rate from 229 plate appearances back in 14 still burns in the head of some folks in I don't think that's fair to really hold over Baez anymore, right? No. He's been a consistent He's like mid twenties, uh, you know, capable twenty four, twenty eight, twenty six the last three seasons. Like you can live with that with the power and other production that he gets, but he doesn't walk, and I do think it breeds volatility. Now, does he go back to the two seventy three of previous years and hit, you know? 24 homers so slice off 10 and of course with that you would bring down the runs in rbis like what is your projection for Baez then if you're not paying this premium what do you project that he's going to do coming off of a 290 34 21 101 111 that's homers steals runs ribbies i think he is a i i I can buy that he's a 30 homer bat i mean the way how hard he hits that ball uh, for for as much as he kind of swings outside of the zone, he still makes a ton of hard contact. Uh, so I think he's still a 30 home run bat. The counting numbers should be, you know, 90 each. On, you know, on average, so 180 runs plus RBIs. I think the speed may tick down a little bit. It's the average for me. The average has got to tick down a little bit. I don't think he can hit 
290. I think he's more of a 265, 270 type hitter, which is fine, and that still makes him a valuable piece to a fantasy team. So I'm not saying, mm-hmm. like, you're going to lose your fantasy league based on Javi Baez being your first-round pick. I just think there are other guys I prefer going in the first round. Yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at, too. I just, I'm just going to bypass Baez mm-hmm. so often if you in lieu of other players. If he was in the middle of the second, I think I would be all over him. But I I just can't look at the underlying numbers and and be comfortable with what he does. I mean, we're talking about, like, you know, that he's improved – in virtually every area, you know, one place he hasn't improved his O swing percentage, forty five point five percent. Still O-swing. goes out and gets it. Yeah, he just, I mean, the he makes up for it because he's got a just insanely high uh, O contact percentage. <laughs> like, a, yeah, he's he, almost uh, well. He's like Vlad S. I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> say that, but Vlad had a lot more discipline. For sure, people remember the hitting the bouncing ball and all that. And think he was he didn't strike out and he did walk a bit. But you're right. Like he'll go out of the try to get it by as well and he does and but he just, that can he, still breed the volatility that that can be worrisome um for somebody like bias okay so i agree too and we talk about how the early round picks the difference in like eight picks is so substantial even though it feels like it's not that different you're like oh it's just eight picks no no, no. going from late first to that mid second is a major difference. It's not the same as eight picks from the fifth to the sixth round. Uh, so I agree with you there. And, you know, we talked about it at, at shortstop with Trevor Story. It's a similar kind of deal there. And, and bias, really, because he qualifies both. Now, he does have triple eligibility. Which is How, always nice. How, if at all, does that does that change things for you? And Do you think that that adds a few picks? Could you then say, you, you mentioned mid-second. Let's say two, three picks into the second round. Does that, Do those extra couple positions because he has second and short off the bat does that push you i mean he's yeah just, well, he's, he's at he's at he's at third because we're talking yeah, about third that's but right. then so he's triple eligible does that push you up maybe to where if he's pick 18 19 would you be comfortable there or does it have to be kind of that that uh 22 to 24 range for Baez? Mm, yeah i think maybe it leaves him like 18 19 it's hard. I, just, I see the names behind him, and I go, man, how can I pass on Bryce Harper for Happy Baez? Yeah, like I, I just, agree. I just can't do that. I can, I can understand uh, taking him over Paul Goldschmidt. I can understand taking him over Trevor Story. I think Aaron Judge is going too late. Uh, Bad story. I think that they're similar. Do you want Coors Field or the position eligibility? I think that that's kind of the decider, yeah. right? Well, I mean, I've I, I been taking Story above him. I think I took Story on the turn in the uh, Rotowire uh, Mag Mock. Okay. So I, I don't I don't have a problem uh, taking Story there either over Baez. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm hating too much on Baez and I should – more in I just like I said I, I look at those underlying numbers in the just the plate discipline numbers I mean he's got you know just an enormous O swing he doesn't have great contact numbers it's not like he's I mean outside of his O contact it's you know he's he's got a 68.5 uh, contact percentage when 77 percent is the league norm well we know you won't go broke uh running away from last year's breakouts and paying that premium. Mm-hmm. So oh, for sure. 
you know, you're and that's what I think we're doing here is is or that's what I think some people are doing here is they are they're paying for what he did last year, and I want to pay for what I think someone's going to do this year. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about a little bit more about Bryant. Like I said, going twenty picks later. Man, that was such a tough 18 to kind of watch him go through, and you kept thinking it would get better. And, you know, he was as good as his MVP season in 17, from 16 to 17. He cut 10 homers, but the slug really didn't go down that much. It was down like 17 points. The average was still there. Uh, The OBP was even better. So he had two basically MVP caliber seasons in a row and the the great rookie of the year before that. So three elite seasons. And then even last year, you look at it's a 125 WRC plus. It was 13 homers in his 457 plate appearances, 59 runs, 52 ribbies, just a couple steals. Not really a huge steals guy anyway. Kind of gets you that contribution eight and seven in the two uh, big seasons in 16 and 17. So you're looking for a little handful there, nothing crazy. The shoulder is obviously the concern here. If we get if we get some health guarantees or, or he starts to look good in spring, where do you think Bryant's price lands come mid-March uh, peak draft season? Do you think it goes up? I don't think it's going to go up very much. Okay. I, I think the fact that he isn't a guy who's going to steal a ton of bases – will kind of keep his price stagnant. I mean, unless he does like a, a Mikel Franco-type spring training where he hits like nine or eight, ten. nine homers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just a crap ton of homers um, and really wows people. Obviously, then he would rise, but uh, he what he's currently going around pick 35. Like, yeah, that's right. I, I don't 35. see him jumping Juan Soto, who's everybody's shiny new toy. I don't see him jumping Whit Merrifield, who can steal a ton of bases. Uh, I don't see him jumping in, uh, Andrew Benatendi, and those are the three. Take him over. Yeah, those are three hitters Soto. going ahead of him. I mean, I, I would take him over Soto and Benny if I, I would, get if I get some spring goodness from Chris Bryant. I can. I would definitely take him over Soto. I don't know if I take him over Benatendi. And um, I like I like both those guys. I like guess it's, it's not hate on them. It's really more acknowledging what what Soto or excuse me what Bryant's done in his career and just how good he's been. Maybe it depends on who I've got because Benny does have that that 2020 viability, and, that, and that's why I I kind of lean Benatendi. But I would take but if I, him if I got Trey Turner already. If I already had some yeah. speed, then I might then then it becomes Brian. I think I would probably have if he had a big spring and was looking really good. Uh, I'd probably have ranked over uh, Stanton. Okay, yeah, I, I can I can see that too. All right, it's Vlad time. It's uh it's that it's that time. Obviously, I think those who haven't done off-season drafts yet are probably jarred by the price, but this is where he's been throughout the off-season from from step one, really, kind of that third that third round pick that uh, really ranging from second to fifth round, a really tight band there for Vlad Guerrero is going forty fourth overall. First question is, of course, are you paying that premium? in NFBC style too, where, where, you know, you're going for the overall prize. Maybe you're trying to spike that, that giant season is Vlad Jr. Someone that you're willing to pay this premium on and knowing you're going to miss, you know, a couple weeks out front, but you will be able to replace him too. It is unlikely that I will. Uh, that being said, I really contemplated it in the, in the NFBC draft I'm doing right now. Uh, it's a dra- draft and hold, 50-round draft and hold. I had the first overall pick, took Trout 
on the way back, I had two starting pitchers queued up. One of them went. I ended up grabbing Severino and then kind of just being stuck with, oh, who do I take here uh, at, at pick 30 or 31? And I came really close to talking myself into Guerrero, knowing that there was no way he was going to make it back. Yeah. That being said, I couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger. And it, it's actually kind of surprising his ADP is as low as it is. Because considering we saw, we saw people. As low as it is. Well, I mean, we saw people. Clay Link took him what, like 18th overall in. Uh, yeah, that's why I say he, he ranged second. He's in a second to fifth round type of range. Clay Link did take him uh, I mean, in the if, second if round out Arizona. At, if you look at the range that we're looking at right now, his his min pick is 32. Because we're yeah, just that, looking that, since January 1st. So exactly. since January 1st, nobody has taken him in the second round. Which is okay. No, that's totally fine. I'm just surprised more than anything else. Uh, he, here's my issue with Vlad. And I, I know he's a premium talent. And I think Steamer projected him, or is projecting him to win the AL batting title. Yeah. Uh, which I think is insane. Uh, but that just, that just kind of shows you what kind of talent he is. I think that there isn't because he's not going to steal probably a single base unless it's you know on a catcher not really caring. Um, like there, there's some capped upside, I guess. And even like the steamer projections or, or the projection systems don't have him hitting like 40 home runs. So I, I, I have a hard time buying into him being a second round or a third round player. Well, I mean, what's the difference between him and Juan Soto? I have a hard time. Juan Soto's going Juan Soto thirty being, second. Yeah, well, I have a hard time. I just said I would, I would take, uh, I would take Chris Bryant over Juan Soto. Well, yeah, I mean that's so, one player though. I didn't know that you had issues with Juan Soto. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I love Juan Soto as a player, but I think he's an overrated fantasy commodity because of his age and what he did last year. Well, I think that's fair. And maybe maybe like, Vlad is too, but and I, I, I the think thing Vlad is with is Vlad, as well. like like all the projection systems, no projection system we've got on the site has him projected for more than twenty four home runs. Yeah, Z, and you know he's not going to steal bases. I know they all project him for five to six stolen bases. If he steals three bases, I'll be surprised. Uh, it's just a matter of like they think he's going to hit for three hundred. But the projections have him at 300, and projections are notoriously conservative. So, if it, I mean, he could realistically hit 320. That's massive. A 320 average is so I feel so like the projection system, like the, some whoever's running these projections, just have him and Mondesi on their fantasy team. <laughs> and they're just trying to because like, yeah, they're usually themselves. historically uh, conservative. But that and these speaks two to players. what the talents that it speaks to what these guys have done, particularly Vlad in his minor league career. You know, Todd Zola talked about it breaking his system mm-hmm. because you do the minor league, uh, the major league equivalents, and all that, and it comes out with these just gaudy numbers. But you look at it, and it's like, well, he, he's got great plate control. He doesn't strike out. He walks. He walks yeah. He smashes the ball. I think that the home run projections are a little bit conservative. I think that that's where he's really going to gain without much damage to his average. We see guys constantly come up recently and add pop, even when they don't really have major pop in their profile. There is power. Yeah, there is power in this profile. And I'm not saying he's going to go for 30 right off the top, 
but I also wouldn't be surprised. It's like one of those things where the the homers could just start flying. So I think a realistic projection of, of where I'm kind of at with Vlad is like 305, 27, 85, 85. I mean, and it does depend on when he comes up. I'm kind of giving him uh, around where uh, most of these projections have. They're, they're all in that 550 to 595 range, which I guess 45 is a 45 plate appearance is a little bit of a difference there between the top and bottom, but it, it it's that range there. You know, he's going to miss what the, the 13 days or whatever it is for Vlad, but I think he's going to come up and I think he's going to rake the batting average is going to be such a driving force that when, when once you bring him up and plus you get to put in the two weeks of a third baseman and there is, that's the thing. It's not like you're just losing the production. No, you add that to his bottom. Where would you take him? Are you, are you willing to take him as high as 30th? Like, if you're picking on that turn, are you grabbing Vlad with a pitcher? If I have Trout and I go Vlad pitcher, yeah, I'm open to it. I really am. Yeah, and see, yeah. I, I couldn't pull the trigger, and I went with Whit Merrifield instead, and I feel good about that decision. Uh, but I could definitely see myself, even though I, I, I'm sure I sound tentative and down on him, I'm not. I, I could definitely do it. It just it's against my nature and, and anyone who's listened to this podcast or any of the podcasts I've done, they know I, I tend to steer away from these young kind of uh popular picks, uh, because I feel like they fail more often than not. But Vlad's so, a special player. We're doing a fifty round draft and hold with folks who are on uh panels at the Arizona Fall League. And Carabelle had the number one pick. And he went Trout, Benintendi, Merrifield. So he had, you know, he could have taken Vlad there. He went with Merrifield, like you just said that you would. So Merrifield, or excuse me, Vlad ended up going with the sixth pick of the third round. So that's what thirty-six. And so he went to Jeff Erickson, who with that sixth pick had Scherzer, Blackman, and then brought Vlad into the mix. Yeah, I really like that. And followed it up with Tyone. Puig, Trinan, Robles, and Muncy. I'm loving his team here. Wow. Yeah. I think he's done a great job kind of covering Vlad a little bit with some It's a really stability. nice mix. Well, even, I mean, I, I personally, I love the, the Scherzer-Tyone uh, pairing. I love that, you, too. You get... And Trinan. He got a premium yep. closer to go with it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I he's mean, really I'm, not, I'm not a Muncy guy, so. but... Uh, Once in the eighth, though, I mean, he yeah, had 35 homers. He, he was really good last year. He's got great play discipline. Again, I just don't want to pay for we're gonna the get production. To him. We're, we're going to get to him, so yeah, I'll no, save that. Well, Jeff's I, a smart dude. I do want just, to hear your thoughts. And I'm not saying any, oh, yeah, Jeff's great. everybody in that draft uh, uh, is probably smart guys. I don't know who's who's all in it. but Well, I'm in it, so not all of them Yeah, are. okay, so what, 14 of the 15? Yeah, well, Colette's in it too. So sorry, you can say those things about Colette offline that you didn't want me to bring on the air. Mm -hmm. Bring up on the air. I'll bleep him out. Don't worry, we'll we'll all cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a Shark Tank, and for Jeff to put up a team like that in a Shark Tank is really impressive. Uh, But that's Vlad. You know, it's going to be divisive. There's going to be some leagues where he does go second round. He might even spike a first round somewhere. I do think that's. Probably going, you know, oh, a little sure. it's, try hard, but he'll yeah. have a min pick in the top fifteen of NFBC at some. I, I just want to be in that league where he went fifty second. God, right, fifty sixth or fifty sixth. Okay, 56. yeah, just, that's, that's wild. But let's move on. Let's go over to Anthony Rendon, and I mean, I love Anthony Rendon. He just is steady production. He's 
feels to me a little bit like a um, cheaper for a reason, by the way, because he doesn't put up quite the production once you hear the uh, once you hear the comp, but like a a cheaper Nolan Arenado, where he just does what he does every year lately, and you know it's again it's more twenty ninety three three hundred twenty ninety ninety, but it's it's there it's there. It's just every year. And I remember he started with the injury issues. And I think we talked about this on the last pod, dating back to Rice. Um, and then that's why he went sixth overall in the first place. He probably could have been a 1-1. He has that kind of talent. And the injuries plagued him through the minors in his first couple seasons. He only played um, over 100 games once in his first three years. It was 98-153-80. But now he's got three full seasons. The last three seasons, he did have a little bit of injury last year, but still popped 597 on the plate appearances. So, you know, we're three shy of three straight 600 plate appearance seasons for Nolan or for Anthony Rendon. I love him. And I'm wondering, you know, is he something of a bargain here after back to back 140 plus WRC plus seasons? Like, how, how do you feel about Anthony Rendon and where he goes here at pick uh, 46 on average? I don't know if they necessarily call him a bargain, uh, but I think he is a fair value. Uh, the, the fact that he stopped running is, you know, hurts his overall production. Because, I mean, he was a guy who you you thought you were getting five-category production from. Uh, he, he's no longer moving on the base pass very much. I mean, he dropped all the way down to two stolen bases on three attempts last year. Uh, that may be a team kind of construct uh, or, or or a choice on him. He, it strikes me as one of those that could flip too. And you don't, you know, you don't make choices based on, on a maybe like that, like, Oh, he could, but I do think Anthony Rendon, I, I don't know that it's something that it's completely gone. He is still on the right side of 30 and with full health, I do think he could spike another eight to 10 again. Well, and I was just about to say, I think maybe with Bryce Harper gone, maybe he runs a little bit more, you know, maybe they didn't want to send him in front of Bryce when he was up, mm-hmm. up to bat. So, you know, he, he's going to be in the three slot this year uh, behind Eaton and Turner should get plenty of uh, chances to drive guys in again. Maybe it ticks back up uh, to the eight, nine stolen bases. I think he's just one of those guys that is unsexy to people. Uh, and therefore you get him at a, at a, at a really decent price. And, uh, I don't tend to end up with a lot of shares of Rendon just because usually that's where I'm attacking pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, if he ends up on my team, I'm I'm not going to be upset. It was an early season toe injury that that ate into the playing time for Rendon, and it, maybe it lingered. And it's just like I'm not going to take the risks on the bases here. I can still play, and I'm fine for the most part. But adding anything to the uh, uh, to the risk of the toe with the w- with stealing bases was maybe a decision there. That's that's projecting. I don't know, but we could have seen something like that. Yeah, I'm. I love Rendon. I will have shares. I just always do, and and I still. I'm not sure we have seen the best of him, believe it or not. On the heels of back-to-back 140-plus WRC-plus seasons, I still think there's like a 320-30-100 season in this bat. And so I will continue to take him, get what I get, and then have the what I believe is upside kind of baked in there as well. Uh, all right, next up is Eugenio Suarez. My boy. Now, he's an interesting guy because, you know, he really does have uh, three – fantasy relevant seasons in a row here this wasn't just the breakout of last year 
Now, it's been different makeup. It started as a little bit of a power speed guy. Back in 16, he only hit 248, but he gave you 21 homers, 11 steals, 78 runs, 70 ribbies out of nowhere, really. That one was out of nowhere. Then he improved a little bit, gave back some of the steals, but added some pop and added 12 points of batting average. Worthy trade. And then last year was the real breakthrough. Put the speed aside, but became a power force. 283, 34, 104 on the ribbies. 79 on the runs. That kind of speaks to the rest of the lineup around him. Not really his fault. And then just the one chip in steal for A. Eugenio Suarez. He's going to be age 27. Has he hit his peak? Is is 18 his peak? And even if it is, though, can he plateau at this level? How do you feel about A. Eugenio Suarez? I heard you say he's your boy. He goes pick 55 on average. What do you think? I think he's uh, finally being appropriately ranked and, uh, and, and uh, kind of picked in, in terms of ADP. I think he was a steal the last few seasons. Uh, I still think he's a bit undervalued. I, I think that last year was probably his peak, and we could easily see his average dip back down to the 270, 265-ish range. But I, I think the 34 home runs are legit. Uh, you know, that Reds offense is pretty good. It, it's, you know, what's held them back is not having any pitchers. Uh, so Which I, they're starting to get, by the way. Well, I mean, it depends on what you think of their the guys they're starting to get. But uh, I, I would disagree with that, with that sentiment. Uh, either way, I think he is a pretty decent value. I actually think he should be going a, a tad bit higher. I would prefer him over, uh, obviously Carlos Correa, uh, over Xander Bogarts. Um, I think he should kind of be up by Chris Davis and Anthony Rendon. So I think you're getting a, you know, maybe a 10 pick discount, uh, on him in terms of uh, where he should be going in ADP. And I'm going to have a ton of shares of Suarez again this year. There's absolutely no universe where Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Alex Wood, Tanner Roark, and Anthony Descafani isn't a major improvement over what they had last year. You're an insane human being. Uh, moving <laughs> have on you, now. Have you watched Sonny Gray pitch the last few years? Yes. Have you watched him pitch on the road? Or you, you just do you only watch the home starts? <laughs> so, all right, let's move on. Speaking of uh, Sonny Gray, his former ball club here, their third baseman, Miguel Andahar, had a hell of a breakout season last year. Is there a sophomore slump on deck? And I don't just mean regression. That That's what you should plan for just to be prudent. But is there a true sophomore slump in the offing? Let's say what that would look like. He went 297, 27, 92 uh, with 83 runs and a couple chip-in steals. A sophomore slump to me would be like 270, 18, and like 75, 75. Maybe maybe even lower. Let me let me go two sixty. Like for a slump, for like wow, he really fell back. Uh, would be like two sixty, eighteen, seventy seventy or seventy five seventy five ish. You know something around around there for Andahar. Is there something like that, or does he give back a little, and still be you know kind of a kind of a premium bat? He was damn good. Doubles for days, um, which you know don't aren't uh, necessarily a fantasy I, category, but I don't in scoring position for a bunch of runs too. I don't know that I think he is going to uh, slide back that far in the power department. Okay. So uh, I, my issue is one that I, I guess uh, people don't really consider as, as much as maybe you and I do. 
uh, and that is his defense is atrocious. It's, it's so bad. That was going to be my next question is will it impact his playing time or maybe facilitate a position change in season, which would be tough, by the way. Even going to first, it's not easy just because it's the easiest well, position. And one of the reasons I was so sure that they were going to land Machado was because they needed a better defensive third baseman. He is really, exactly. really bad defensively. He's a uh, full-on negative. Mm-hmm. And so the hard part is if he does struggle, how can they conceive struggle offensively? How can they conceivably continue to run him out there with when he's so bad defensively? He's the anti-Matt Chapman. Exactly. And you can't you can't have that. And uh, you know, you look at the two Chapman, we'll talk we'll talk about him in the next grouping because of where his ADP is, but uh, give me like maybe a little less offense and that premium defense. And I'm not even sure that they will be that far apart offensively uh, this year anyway. And so at that point, it's Chapman in a walk away. But Andahar, his defense, here's the thing, though. If they don't really have a great option, if if the bat continues, they won't be able to take him out, right? Because I know you have DJ LeMayhew, and you know they've gotten some guys that they could move around. I don't know if Glaber plays any third, but like when DD gets back or anything like that. But DJ LeMayhew is probably the guy who could really eat up some of that, uh, some of that third base time. Andahar, if he hits at anywhere near, like unless he does flop as a bat, he's got to stay in the lineup, though, doesn't he? Even with the poor defense. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess he does. Like they just don't have. That's why Machado just seems such a perfect landing spot for, for, for New York, and I just don't understand why the Yankees would be out on, on Machado. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess he is going to probably, as long as he's not truly atrocious uh, in, during stretches, then he probably is going to play every day. Yep. You know, he, uh, that, that's that's just what I think with Andrew. I just think he has to play because and a half defensive number brutal, I mean, absolutely just, brutal. And I agree with you. But so bad, they're not in a position to make any sort of move unless maybe his bat flops into Hars and Lemayhews is really good, and then they could say, "Hey, we're getting near equal production with the bat and a much, 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 much better glove." Plus, there is a chance that he improves. Right, defense is the one thing that you can kind of improve. With hard work and and do it on the fly. It might not have been in your your prospect profile, but you can improve that. So we'll see if Andahar does improve. Let's give him a, let's give him a chance there at least. I'm not betting on that though. Uh, so that's Miguel Andahar. I think he's a solid pick, but I'm really not winding I'm, up with I'm him. I'm staying away from him. I just yeah, just don't I trust just, it. I'm just really not seeing him anywhere. In fact, I'd rather take the next guy, one of our biggest flops of the season last year in terms of our call. <laughs> we'll eat it, Matt Carpenter. We've eaten it for. All, all off season. I yeah, think we can it's... probably stop taking the uh, taking the hits there. We've never dodged the fact that we missed that one. Going on pick 76 on average. Here's the thing, though. Um, what does you know? What 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 are we doing with him after our, our missed call of 18? You know, because he started off so poorly, and with the injury concern, I was like, well, that's what I was going off of. I thought he's still hurt. This is rough. Move elsewhere, you know, get your Justin Turner. That was the main one that uh, someone retweeted. Thanks for telling me to take Turner. It's like not that Turner was bad. It's just that Carpenter was otherworldly. But I will say, not as a way to cover us, but uh, Carpenter also flopped into the finish line. Mm -hmm. He was brutal for you in September. 170 with just a homer and eight ribbies. 
but you know the composite was still fantastic. He's going to be age thirty three. Does this power stick? Like, well, I guess the bottom line, just the vague question: Where are we? Well, what's going on with Carpenter? How do you feel about him this year? Without trying to let last year influence you too much to not wanting to make the quote unquote same mistake again. I feel pretty good that he is going to turn in a mid to high twenties homer season. Uh, obviously he, he walks a ton, so he's always going to put on a good on base percentage. Uh, he'll probably be a guy I target pretty heavily, uh, in NL Tout Wars this year. So I, you know, now that we know he's healthy enough to hit home runs, I see no reason to kind of run away from him. And the, I think the price is fine, yeah, I especially considering price. he's got multiple eligibility at first and third. Which I think the first base is the intriguing part mm-hmm. because third base is a little bit deeper. And we've talked about first base, how it, how it cliff dives a little bit. We'll actually maybe do the first base rundown next week. I'm kind of intrigued. Well, in breaking news, it looks like uh, uh, the Cardinals are in talks with Paul Goldschmidt for a long-term deal. I, I That's the least surprising thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Like he just – once they made that trade, I was calling that. Not again, not that I was out on a limb. I think that's easy peasy. Mm-hmm. He fits. I think he just kind of continues a tradition of them picking up guys in their late twenties, early thirties, well, and, and they just who stay superstars. Who wants to hit the open market now? It used to be these guys days. Who hell no. Wanted they they couldn't wait to hit the open market, and now it's like it's it's February, and like I don't even know. Like I, I ran that little contest thing on Fangraphs on. Like, you know, pick where the free agents are going to go. It's like, I was supposed to call it today. Today was like the deadline where I was going to announce who won. And nobody has more than eight picks, right? Because there's only been like 15 guys sign contracts. It's, it's like, I don't know what to do. Like, like, we need some fix here. Wait, like it needs to change. It can't continue at this level. It's, it's mm -hmm. problematic. And maybe that's, uh, I mean, not maybe, it'll definitely be part of what we talk about when we do the show with Joe on uh, the the state of the game, which we are, are going to plan for probably sometime, maybe in March, maybe early April. Or maybe yeah, we I, do I think like for, I for first week of the seasons when there's like really nothing to talk about. Except exactly. For... That's That was my initial thought. So we'll, we will stick with that. Uh, let's move on to another uh, oldie injury. Not that old, but, uh, you know, kind of that veteran guy. It's Josh Donaldson here. And he goes on to Atlanta after the the busted season last year. Nothing with Toronto. Did did show a little flourish with Cleveland, at least with his skills. He it's actually a jump down here. I should point out from the seventy six average pick for Carpenter. But I included Donaldson and the next guy because I I think they should be closer than they are. He's at one hundred four, and the next guy's Justin Turner at one ten. So I kind of giving my hand away. I think that they're kind of bargains based on on the rest of that uh where the rest of this tier is going but talk to me about josh donaldson out in atlanta where like you know the one season removed from still elite josh donaldson and last year for as bad as it was in his two nine his 219 plate appearances he was still 20 percent above average so it's not like he was a complete flop is a 33 year old donaldson at pick 104 somebody that you're interested in yes and, and, I mean, we can just talk about both Donaldson and Turner at the same time if you want. Yeah. Because I'm in on both. I, I've been a, I've been anti-Turner in the past. 
Uh, and a dodger and you have your bias just runs so deep <laughs> i keep getting those tweets are you seeing all these tweets on twitter yes i tweeted something out about walker bueller and so everybody's like oh my god did justin just say something nice about the dodgers um stop the presses that's the breaking news of the yeah, offseason exactly uh turner's a guy i've avoided largely because i didn't trust how much he would stay on the field uh and so and i, I think it's pretty much bore out to be right he, he's struggled to stay on the field Donaldson has struggled to stay on the field the last uh last year uh, in the year before so that being said I think both these guys appear to be healthy coming into the season and they're going too low uh especially Donaldson who was a perennial first round pick for a number of MVP years. yeah and, and and like Donaldson or excuse me like Chris Bryant the years around his MVP season were MVP caliber. Like that that year right after, he could have gone back to back just if you're looking at the numbers that he put up. And, you know, you're right. It's been two years of, of health. He only played 113 games in 17, but he was a 148 WRC plus that year for Donaldson. So it's like at bat for at bat, he's still premium. So I've always said I'm willing when the skills are in place, I'm willing to take the gamble on the health. Even even when the outlook doesn't look that great for a 33-year-old, but he's going. I, I like him going to Atlanta. I thought it was a great move for them. I'm very much in on Donaldson. I'm in on Turner, too. He's somebody I have uh, not really run away from. Like I said, he's going pick 110, and he intrigues me as well. He just kind of, at bat for at bat, continues to get it done. Do you have a preference between the two since they are going so Donaldson, close? Donaldson, for sure. Uh, I just think the upside is, is so much greater on him. I mean, and if you look at the numbers – Obviously, really, really, really small sample. But when he came back off of the DL uh, with the Indians from September 11th uh, through the end of the month, he hit three home runs in 60 plate appearances, hit 280, 400, uh, 520. That's a 240 ISO. Like, he was back at the end of the season. And, you know, we talk. Plate skills were in line, too. Mm -hmm. And we, we talk about all the time with pitchers. I want to see them, if they're hurt, I want to see them back in, in, in throwing well at the end of the season so I can buy in the next year. I'm going to do the same thing with a hitter and just hope that the 33-year-old body holds up. It's a, it's a, a decent park uh, for him, even though, he, he, you know, I'd love him to be left-handed in SunTrust, but he's still, yeah. you know, still a guy who can go the other way, too. Uh, and that lineup is going to be really nice around him. I I really like Donaldson this year, and I think people are underestimating him. I think people are underestimating Turner as well. I think he's a guy that should Turner's rebound. Turner's perennial, perennially underestimated. I I think he is, and I think this is a, a, a nice year to buy in. I bought them both in uh, in that Dynasty League, uh, that FWFB Dynasty League, uh, as guys who are older and everybody ran away from because they're older and in a Dynasty format. And uh I just think that they, they're going to offer some pretty great value considering where they're going. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that on both, and I have no problem taking both. Now, with Donaldson, curious like just how high you might go because I ended up taking him maybe a little bit earlier than I wanted. It was one of those things where woke up yesterday – I felt fine, and then all of a sudden I just had like a massive headache and kind of fell back asleep in that mid mid to late morning, so I got auto-picked. He was the top of my queue, so I wanted him, but it was just maybe a little bit higher than I was than I was looking for. Let me give you the exact pick number here. It was pick 78 for That's Josh Donaldson. probably a bit higher than I would go. Yeah, his, his ADP, like I said, is, is 104. So and I'm, I'm looking 60- at like pick 89 just behind Yasel Puig. 
and Jose Abreu. Like that see, feels he, like the right spot for me. He went. Let's see. Um, Puig had Puig was already gone. Oh, I'm sure Puig is flying He's off the board. I He's mean, soaring. It, oh, now everyone wants our boy. Okay, yeah. yeah now and, like, in. and I, I think I'm being kind of typecast as this guy who, who's like anti Puig for some reason. And Wait, since when? Just recently, because I I think he's being overdrafted right now. Oh he, yeah, well the price. I mean, the price is going up insanely. And like, don't get me wrong, I love the I love the part change for him. That that doesn't keep him on the field. Like let's 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 wait to see him stay on the field for a full season. Love the talent. I think it's it's a great situation for him. But I think there's also you know what happens when he has his first outburst with with Cincinnati. You know? <laughs> like, so. <laughs> I, did, well, I don't know. I think some of that's a little bit overrated, too, in terms of like what he's done. With Donaldson, I think he would have made it back to me in the seventh round. Yeah, um, and that's probably where you should have taken him. I don't have a problem with but it, though, either. I look at the guy. There's only one guy I wish I would have taken, uh, and he went a couple picks later, which was Zach Wheeler to get my second mm-hmm. pitcher to go with the Grom. And I, so my second pitcher right now is Michaelis, and ideally I'd like Michaelis as a number three. Yeah. But I do have a premium ace. And so I'm really not mad about well, the Donaldson pick. You can always pick. grab Kyle Gibson later and really just shore up that, that rotation for you. Damn, you're good. I was trying to wait you out, man. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I'm totally leaving that You absolutely in. should, man. We could, have, <laughs> we could have had a really bad experience for our listeners because I, I wanted to go for the long haul, but you <laughs> – you got me, man. That was, I'm that was a good. parent. I can, I can. Silence is my patience. best friend. Yeah, yeah. It just like, like that's the first silence I've heard in about four months. It's <laughs> like... Oh man! All right, fine. Uh, I, don't know, I guess I have to take him now because I, I lost the the silent off. Uh, but yeah, so that's Donaldson and Turner. I got, like I said, I got him a little bit higher than I would have wanted, but I'm still very happy with Donaldson. To that point, by the way, Turner did end up going in the early eighth round. So I, I got Eloy Jimenez coming back in the seventh. So I'm not upset about that either. Like I said, if I, perfect world, I would have taken Wheeler there, gotten Donaldson on the way back in the seventh, and then Eloy in the eighth. But I don't know if Eloy makes it, and so whatever. It's it's not the end of the world. I like my team going there, and I'll talk about that team another time. We got to move on here. We're gonna end up doing two parts. We do have a little bit of a hard stop this afternoon, so uh, we're gonna get through this tier here, and then we'll we still have plenty to talk about though. So it's, it really is gonna be a robust second group. Maybe we can do an early one next week, and then still next Friday do first baseman. But you and I can work that schedule out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll we should we should start uh, starting next week. We should go twice a week for sure. Agreed. And we do have a little something coming up this weekend as oh, well. Yeah. So, uh, All right. Let's move over to the I, – I labeled this group heavy hitters. Honestly, some of the group names, particularly once I get deeper, were difficult. Not everyone fits the category. But this is a group that is still pretty strong, and you can definitely put them as your starting third baseman, particularly if you're, you're you know, locked up very well elsewhere. But it starts with Travis Shaw whose most intriguing aspect might be the position that he qualifies at otherwise, which mm-hmm. is second base. Because of the way second base is, I don't even think I want him as a third baseman. I really think you want to put Travis Shaw at second base. First off, it's just wild that he qualifies there. But you can put 30-90, uh, even if it comes with a 250 average, at second base. Love that. Shaw is an interesting guy, too, because 
he does get you those contribution steals, five, ten, and five the last three years. Um, he's got some speed. I think that five is a is a stable baseline that you can expect, and then hope maybe even spike a few more. Travis Shaw as a third base, second base hybrid. What do you think of uh, what do you think of the Brewer? Uh, I love Shaw. Shaw's not actually a really a fast guy. He just he's very efficient at stealing bases. He's actually in the forty fifth percentile in sprint speed. Yeah, he, but he's so, smart. He yes. knows what he's doing out there, and it's not always blind speed. Mm-hmm. He's, Sometimes he's... blind speed, uh, the guys don't know what the hell they're doing, and other times, mm-hmm. uh, slow guys know exactly what they're doing. So yeah, that's a good point on Shaw. It's not it's not uh, raw speed. It's smarts on the bases. Uh, but I love Shaw. Shaw's a guy. He's got power, like the multi position eligibility. He's gonna chip in a few stolen bases for you. That lineup is is great in Milwaukee. The park is great for him. Uh, I think there were concerns last year when they kept bringing in all these guys, like where was he going to end up playing? Uh, and he was willing to move around the diamond uh, and play a position I don't think he'd ever played before in order to get in the lineup. And uh, he's that you know shows how hard of a worker he is. I really like Travis Shaw. I like where he's going. I mean, there's a number of the guys in this in this tier that I really like, so I may not end up with him as often as maybe I would prefer. But uh, he's definitely a guy that I've got in a couple dynasty league teams, uh, and and a guy that if if he falls into my lap, especially if I'm looking for a guy with multi position eligibility, Shaw's a guy I'm going to be grabbing. And Shaw's actually going in between Donaldson and Turner. Mm-hmm. There, um, I didn't include him in that group. I don't really have an answer why, just because I, I didn't. probably should include the other two in this group. but that That's probably it. I just felt that Donaldson and Turner are still studs, and I don't know. It, it's tough, but but you're right. Based on ADP, definitely, but um, that speaks to the value that I think Donaldson and Turner are, and Shaw, because I do like Shaw. So I'm with you there, and again, I'm putting him at second base without a doubt. Let's move on to a guy we both have preached our, our love for in the past. That's Will Myers who also has dual eligibility because he has this third base. We're not usually talking about him here at third base, but he has that to go with his outfield eligibility. And he remains an intriguing guy because he's a power speed uh, asset. Can't stay on the field, though, with any regularity. And, um, well, actually, maybe that's unfair because two years in a row he was 157, 155 when he was playing first base. And you're going to have a hard time convincing me that that's not related to him moving off first base last year and then struggling to stay healthy yet again. Um, I've gotten some pushback on that, but I'm just, well, is not Occam's razor where it's like the simplest answer. Is that not the right thing here? Like what else are we looking at to try to find why he couldn't stay healthy? 88, 87, 60, 157, 155, 83. Those are his games played. But when he plays, he's a beast. I know you love him for your eschew batting average, uh, strategies and you're hoping to spike anything if he could ever you know maybe pop a 270 that'd be gold but for even you because you he love like the power pops, speed. yeah the 259 it's like okay he's I can still worth what that. he's worth yeah, yeah that's the thing he's got that baseline because of the power speed that you're not overpaying uh, particularly at pick 111 but there is the chance that he, like there are skills here where you could reasonably see him hitting 275 in a season and then you'd be you'd be gaining big time. So talk to us about Will Myers. Do you still like him? Um, where's he going to play for the for the Padres this year? And and, and I don't think he's going to play for the Padres tar- this year. Oh, okay. Do tell. I think he could be. I, I think he is going to be traded at some point. It's just a matter of when and where. Uh, 
they they I got a spot. I I the perfect spot's Cleveland. There you go. Like exactly. Corey Kluber deal. They need outfield so badly. Mm-hmm. Do you can you do Will Myers and a premium prospect for Kluber or does it have to be more? I think you could probably do that. Uh like I don't know, Will Myers and Estuary Ruiz. Orion. I think it's got to be a little bit higher. Or may- Ru- may- maybe do Ruiz and a pitcher. So maybe two guys, uh, maybe Ruiz and Cal Quantrill. Does he still have mm-hmm. some juice in the market? Yeah. So those two and Will Myers for Kluber. Yeah. Something like, like they, this team, look, they look like a fit for one another. Because, I mean, we, this Cleveland team is not, they're not going to win the World Series with, like, with this club. They're going to win their division, likely, although I don't even think I that know, that's I'm a picking the team twins. right now. I, I don't think that that's out of bounds for you to do that. So that's not even a guarantee. But even if they do make the playoffs, they there's I, I, there's some trouble here. But yeah, uh, uh, the, we got to focus on Myers. So let's let's talk about him. He's still with San Diego right now. What's his outlook? If, he's, if he stays with San Diego, you, you pro- I think you project him – I think the projection systems have them about right. You know, I don't think you can project them for much more than 130 to 140 games, uh, considering, like you said, his his health issue. I know you said Occam's Razor. Uh, I think he's more like Murphy's Law in the outfield. <laughs> anything, uh, yeah, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Uh, so, you know, he's he's a he's a risk reward player in terms of fantasy. He's a guy that he could easily deliver 2020. Uh, season next year or even better I mean he had a 28-28 season and a 30-20 season uh, you know 16 and 17 or he can deliver what he delivered last year which is 11-13 because he only played half a season mm-hmm. uh, he is a guy that you should only put in your uh, put on your team if the rest of your picks are super safe in terms of like injury risk so like you you can't so you're getting be going some out high floor yeah you you're not double tapping on Justin Turner and Will Myers like that. that's a good point because you're you're likely having to replace you know eighty games there mm-hmm. between the two at least right like, yeah you're you would, not, you, you don't think. draft David Dahl and then get Will Myers it's that's uh, a good call you know it just it but if you if you've put together a team of guys who you know, for the most part, are all, you know, healthy year to year, which you can do pretty easily early on in your draft. Then Will Myers is one of those guys, yeah, take the gamble on him. He's a guy who could be a real difference maker if he just stays on the field for 150 games. Exactly. I, I, I agree with that, um, and we'll and see if he sticks around. Ever been. Yeah, he is cheaper, and like I said, dual eligibility still third base and outfield, so you have some flexibility there. And we do like we always like that on on this show as far as the ability to move guys around, particularly while you're drafting, but also in season. It's very underrated in season. I think it's hard to say exactly how much it's worth. I, I don't know uh, what the exact dollar value is, but I feel like more and more each year with the way things shift and playing time gets shifted around. Having guys that can maneuver so that you're always available to pick up the top free agent or, or can be in on it is very helpful. So that's just a little added bonus for Will Myers. Let's move on to Matt Chapman. Love Chapman. Um, part of it is the defense. It's, it's just so good. Obviously, that doesn't directly correlate to fantasy value, but it will keep him on the field 100%. And, 
And so he's not going anywhere for that aspect. He's down to pick 113, which I think is pretty fair. I mean, considering the draft that I have this for, um, when you when you do NFBC average draft position, it lists a recent draft that you were in. And I think this is I think this is the one in Arizona in the fall during November. And I took him 71st. <laughs> this is the very first draft of the season. And so he's come down to 113. So if I liked him at 71, you damn well better believe I like him at 113. I think there's possibly more here. Now, he had a fantastic year, so I'm not buying saying that he has to get better for Matt Chapman, but I think it's very much in the range of of possibilities. He went uh, 278, 24, only 68 ribbies because he's up near the top of the lineup, 100 runs, and uh, just the one stolen base. That's not part of his game. But I think there's more pop here. I think there are there are 30 homers in that bat. And I think he he can continue to hone that uh, that walk rate as well and keep that OBP firmly in the 350 plus range. So I love Matt Chapman. I'm definitely going to have multiple shares. I already do, really, based on the drafts that I've done. I have more than one uh, one share of Chapman. So how do you feel about him? Matt Chapman is a launch angle tweak and not like a big change, like a little tweak away from hitting 35 or 40 home runs. Like I'm not talking like a like like he he's going to hit 30 home runs this year. Like even if he do, changes nothing. Uh if he makes a little bit of a tweak, he's a guy who can hit 40 home runs. Oh, uh, exactly. And I I think he is uh he's a premium defensive player. Go over to his Statcast page and by the way, whoever whoever does like the Statcast uh Statcast pages over on Baseball Savant, dude, I love the new setup. It just it, it looks so, good. so clean and so Aaron nice. Aaron Willem. It, I mean, it, I know he's the main guy. I don't know if he does everything. Probably not. It, it's it's just it's beautiful and so easy to navigate now. Uh, exit velocity in the ninety seventh percentile. Hard hit percentage in the ninety third percentile. Uh, here's one that I didn't realize though. Watching him play defense, I should have. His sprint speed eighty first percentile. He's super fast. Yeah. Yes. You know how I learned that. MLB the show. <laughs> the only thing that is kind of below league average is his launch angle, and it's just a little bit below league average. So, like, if he could just tick up that launch angle, that uh, exit velocity and uh, hard contact, or is going to shoot his homers through the through the roof. He's he's going to be uh, Chris Davis with average and see at at third base. It's just, gonna... I was going to mention Chris Davis. Maybe Chris Davis can, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hit him with some tips and say, Hey, you know, this, this little tweak here that you can do with your swing can really unlock something. Yeah. I mean, the thing of it is too, is he doesn't need to improve to be worth pick one thirteen. Mm-hmm. I can kind of just get a repeat here and feel plenty comfortable with that, but I think I'm buying some upside with Matt Chapman as well. I I, I love this guy. He's and one of my walks, favorite players. And he walks. Yeah, ten nine percent walk rate, ten uh, percent in, in his eighty four games the year before. I I really do like a uh, Oakland Matt. Uh, not necessarily a double tap. Actually, yeah, they are pretty close. I could double I'm not tap an them. Olsen guy, but I can totally understand doing that i i still see 35 homers there he's got insane power yeah. uh but yeah i, I like the uh, the oakland matt double tap there so that's matt chapman we're very bullish on him mm-hmm. i'm going to continue to buy him everywhere I, let's I, move on I to our next ta- guy i would here. take him over myers shaw donaldson and turner donaldson's the only one i wouldn't 
Okay. It's Donaldson, then Chapman for See, me, but I, I totally agree on the rest. what Donaldson was without that's the, the easiest, injury. That's the easiest comp, and it, mm-hmm. it's – it I, it totally fits right down to the elite defense being in Oakland like it all adds up. I don't think it's a lazy comparison. I think it's just accurate. Yeah. Just because it's the the simple one doesn't make it mohawk. inaccurate. <laughs> yes, he does. He needs that sick hair. Um, actually, let me see. I'm looking at this right now. Is he still? No. He, okay, he went he went in the eighth round there. So yeah, falling asleep hurt me there. I could have. Yeah, I did Maybe the same thing the other on, day. And got, Chapman there. I got auto-drafted Hernan Perez and, and someone else. In, in it was my, in the fourth round, right? No, no. This one oh, no. was like the 30th round, but I was, like I woke up and I was like, no. It's like at least he was in my queue. It was somebody I like. Oh, yeah. Just he was in my, they were in my queues too, but it was like one of those things where it was like I hadn't like kind of restocked my queue in a while. Yes. And these were guys that I just kind of been randomly throwing in there. So. Yeah. No, I, oh, I got Bradley totally Zimmer. Feel that. It was, and that's like, oh, oh, that's, that's, this is my boy, boy. But I could have gotten him like but, eight rounds later. Exactly. He's really <laughs> going to be a high much, pick much for the rest of the year on on Bradley Zimmer. Let's talk about the um, the teammate, the newest teammate of Matt Chapman, Jerickson Profar. And as we're talking about position flexibility, there's nobody better to bring up seemingly um, in terms of like the mid rounds. There's there's some superstars like Bias who we talked about who have that flexibility as well. But in terms of kind of that that mid-rounder who gets boosted because of it, I don't think you really are boosting Baez specifically because of that. But Profar, you're like, I like the skills profile, but I also like that he plays three positions off mm-hmm. the top. And he might even have the fourth with some other um, outlets. Does he have second base? Did he do anything at second base last year? I'm looking right now. Um, Ten games. So Yahoo. Yahoo. Yahoo, he's got it. Um, yeah, second, so third, that, and short, though. I mean, that'll that's... be four positions, and it's three in the NFBC. You gotta love that. Now he finally had the season that we've been waiting for, or just a positive season. I, mean, I think we were waiting for something even bigger than that because he's been around forever. But injuries have really derailed the career of Profar. But he's only twenty. He is still just twenty six. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be age twenty six season. 2010, uh, it was homers and steals. 2010, two fifty four average, seventy seven ribbies, eighty two runs. That's a heck of a season. It's just like a stat stuffer that's not particularly special in any one category, but does something everywhere and the positions. Jerks and Profar in Oakland. What are your thoughts? Mm, I, I I think he's a really interesting guy, especially because he has that multi-positional eligibility. You know, I love to be able to slot him in at a, at a bunch of different spots, especially if, if you're in leagues with smaller benches. It is always nice. Yes. That being said, like I don't think he is got this huge upside. I think that I think the the breakout last year is probably his peak, especially in oh. Oakland. Okay. Uh, I just don't see like a huge power output or huge stolen base output coming from him in, in Oakland. So I like him, and I think he is uh, a nice guy who's going to contribute some in pretty much every category. Uh, maybe not so much an average. I think the average probably should tick up a little bit. I think you got a bit unlucky on balls in play last year. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him as a guy who could probably be 15-10, 15-15 maybe with a 270 average that plays three different positions. I mean, who can't use that on their team? Exactly. I, I, 
I think it will continue to kind of be that stat stuffer type of guy who you bounce around everywhere. I do think a good portion of Jerickson Profar's value does come from that flexibility, yes. though. And that's okay, uh, but you just have to understand that. And if it gives you incremental ability, like I said earlier, to get the top free agent of the week because you can now move him around and now it's available to you where it isn't available to somebody else because they're locked in at second, short, and middle or something to that effect – that is valuable. I'm less likely to take him in weekly leagues as opposed to a daily format where I where can you can really, really use that take flexibility advantage of him with the amount of days off there's going to be this year. So being able to move is, him to first, third, or short is it, it, really beneficial in a daily format. Is a Ben Zobrist comp fair? Because I'm looking at Ben Zobrist's perfect. stats and it seems pretty good right down to the fact that now it was for different reason but Zobers broke out late mm -hmm. um he was just a late bloomer whereas Profar had the injuries now the peak season for Zobers was that 2009 when he hit 27 homers 17 steals with 91 91 not necessarily getting that but like the rest I of the season he was in a better park environment he might yeah but I just I don't know in in, in the Coliseum that he's going to get to 27 25 home runs I think 20 is probably his ceiling that being said that's some pretty nice production from a guy who can play three slots for you. Exactly. Exactly. And he, he was 10 for 10 on the bases too. So he's sharp. He's not a speedster by any stretch, but he was sharp with what he was doing. Solid plate skills too. 15% strikeout, 9% walk. I like what Jerickson Profar brings to the table and definitely someone to consider with that flexibility. Uh, let's move on to Max Muncy. We hinted at him a little bit earlier. You were saying you're not buying off the heels of that breakout season. I get it. I don't know that it's an egregious it's really price. odd i didn't realize how low he was going yeah actually. it's it's a pretty fair price at pick 129 on average for somebody who broke out with 35 homers he had 263 35 79 ribbies 100 uh 75 runs excuse me and three stolen bases i actually profiled him in my first base uh sneaky speed he's a little bit faster than i think people might realize not that he's gonna blaze up for you know 10 15 stolen bases but if he doubled that or, or or got you know eight nine, I I could I could see I could see that. And that's just some little incremental value there for Max Muncy. And again, dual eligibility with first base being the other. I almost like him better at first base. But the power I think was real. Is he going to keep a twenty nine homer twenty nine percent homer to fly ball rate? Probably not. So bring that back a little bit. But you could still get to thirty five with the volume. Because he only played 481 plate appearances last year. So if you bump that up to 600 while bringing down the homer to fly ball rate, you might still be talking 31 to 33 anyway. So I like Muncie. I love the plate skills, particularly with the walk rate. The strikeouts are a little high, but he's a power guy. I'm a fan. I'll pay this price. How about yourself? I think I would pay this price in an on-base percentage league. Well, he'd be much higher than well, or and I, and I think I would be willing to pay a much higher price. I worry that the Dodgers have added pieces, and that makes it harder for him to be in full-time. And so he could That's be true. a it bit frustrating. Like right now, roster resource has him platooning at first, Gross. which would really cap his ability to get back to 30-plus home runs. Sure. That being it, said, it, would, it would mean he has to have an on uh, homer to fly ball rate. Similar to that. Yeah. That being said, they're, they're likely to move Jock Peterson, which could move, you know, uh, 
Chris Taylor back into the outfield, which could give Muncie full-time playing time at second uh, or, or move Bellinger back to first. I, I think there's there, there are other moves that are probably going to happen uh, with the Dodgers that should be able to get him to 600 plate appearances. Not to mention the entire Dodgers lineup, pretty much one through seven has injury history. Like it's serious yes. injury history. And that's so. why they have so much depth because mm-hmm. they, they know that injuries are going to crop up. They can move guys around. I will say this too for Muncie, 141 WRC plus against lefties. 30% strikeout rate's a bit high, but 13% walk and a 529 slug. I, I like what he was able to do there. So maybe he doesn't need to about... be able to needing to platoon him and wanting to get in guys like freeze and, and sure. Hernandez who both crush lefties usually. So that being said, I, I think Muncie, I'm so actually, I'm surprised he's going as late as he is. I think I will have some shares at this price because he's got multi-position eligibility as well. I believe unless mm-hmm. uh, first and third. Yeah. And so it's, you know, that's nice to be able to move him around uh, the walk rate and his plate discipline are elite. Like he is the anti uh, uh, Javi Baez with the uh, O swing and the contact and uh, spitting on bad pitches. I I just think Muncie has got such a great eye for the ball that even if some of the things that he did last year regress, he's going to have real life value to the point where the Dodgers aren't going to sit him. Yep, I, I I agree with that. And Muncie is somebody that I'm looking at. I could see his price rising. He as... did that in just 481 plate appearances last year. It, it, it was sharp, man. It was really sharp. And let me see what uh, where he went in this league. He went 115 in the AFL uh, speaker draft that I'm. Uh, that I've been referencing here. So, and that's right around his his normal ADP. Well, it's a little bit higher. It's about a round higher because he's at 130. So. It could move up, but I'm pretty comfortable paying in that Myers, Turner, Chapman, Profar range. And Chapman's still my preference there, but Muncie's right there. And I really like the power that he was able to deliver. Enrique Hernandez, by the way, just to mention, did fall back a little bit against lefties from his normal uh, normal pace, but he still had a 780 OPS. So uh, it was still positive. You know, that's still pretty useful with nine homers in, in 225 plate appearances. Just want to put that out there. Uh, we got two more guys here before we wrap up. Let's talk about Raphael Devers. Talk about sophomore slump and and kind of falling against expectations. Obviously, he was one of the the hot rookies coming off of a 58 game sample. It's not even necessarily fair to call it a sophomore slump because it's not like he had a full first season. He had 58 games, 240 plate appearances, but he's an uber prospect, and so there were just expectations that he was going to add to that. He hit 240 with 21 homers, 66 ribbies, 59 runs, and just five uh, five steals chipped in as well. I believe he's cut some weight. Uh, that was something that I, some of the best shape of my life of their life stuff that we've heard this <laughs> offseason. Devers has has shaved some weight, which is great. Uh, yeah, he acknowledged Saturday that he's fully healthy and noticeably slimmer than he was during the 2018 season. I'm in a good place last year. I had lots of injuries and think it was a product of weight. And that can make sense. Like that, that adds up because he did look a little plump out there and you are playing third base and you know, bad weight can really contribute to injuries. He's going to pick 152, So he's a drop down from this uh, pro far Muncie range. I'm in now because I did not like him last year. I thought he was way too expensive. And now Sign me back up. This is this is post hype at pick one fifty two. 
Raphael Devers, you says you say you're in as well. What kind of what kind of season are you are you looking for here? I think he could hit 25 to 30 home runs with like a 270 average. Yeah, and and, I mean, the I, and that's not even the be, peak. Yeah, and I think the peak is is higher than that, uh, especially playing in this uh, Boston lineup. Like he he could he could have a full on breakout. This is one of those guys that is kind of post hype uh, sleeper that people are kind of giving up on a little bit because he was disappointing in his first go around. Only twenty two years old. Uh, he, he he's going to be fine, I think, and uh, yep. I, I'm going to grab share. I grabbed shares at at peak price last year, and so I'm definitely going to take advantage of the discount. So his min pick right now is one one oh three, which would put him back up in that Donaldson Shaw level. Is there a scenario where you're willing to still pay that for Devers? Mm, yeah, sure. Yeah, I could I could see that as well. I, I'm I'm in, man. I, I really am. Anything in the triple digits, as long as it's a hundred or later, uh, for Devers, I'm I'm willing to take that discount and run with it. Next up is Mike Mustakas. He'll be our last guy today. We will definitely do a second round of third baseman where we talk about plenty more of the mid rounders and and late round gambles. You know, he re-signed last year with KC on a, on that six million dollar deal. They got 20 and 62 and a 249 average out of him. They flipped him for Jorge Lopez and Brett Phillips. Uh, he ended up with 251, 28, 95, 66 runs and four four chip in steals. He's still going to just be age 30. Doesn't have a spot yet. Where do you think Mike Moustakis is going to land? And how do you, how do you value him for 19? I think the logical spot is he's going to sign a one year deal again in Kansas City. Like oh it just like I feel bad for the dude. The dude should have a like. A, I don't understand. I don't either. Why he can't get a deal? Yeah. He's pretty good defensively too, if I recall yeah, correctly. Yeah, he is. He, he's a he's a he's a uh, I'd say an above average defender. Yeah. Uh, I I don't understand why he continues to why isn't San Diego in on this? Like they're looking. They, for they're a the third latest baseman. rumor. Well, he's, then he he that's I mean. That's where he should go. Uh, he's going to be undervalued wherever he goes, he, and he's going to be a nice fantasy commodity as well. So uh, I'm in on Mike Moustakis once again. Yeah, I am too. And you talk about uh, signing those those available Royals. Uh, they should have signed Moose over Hosmer, even on a long-term deal. Not necessarily the same deal they gave Hosmer, but he would have been cheaper. I mean, why don't the Indians like put him on a one-year deal, move uh, Ramirez back to... Uh, second, and then throw Kipnis out in the outfield. I think Ramirez has played some outfield too, right? I don't know if you want, like, I don't know how that went. So I don't I, think they want him playing the outfield again. But like, why wouldn't he be a solution uh, to kind of you know shuffle things up around? And then you get another big bat in your lineup. You know, agreed. It just it makes a ton of sense to to, to especially because he's going to cost nothing. He cost what six million dollars or something like that last year. Six mil for Mike Moustakis. Yeah, like it was. Really I don't good. understand so, that, dude. Six, yeah, he's six point five million dollars with an option that got declined. <laughs> as far as like the the war per per dollar type of thing, and we we always push back on not overly using that. But based on that calculation, he earned six mil for twenty seven games in twenty sixteen. Moustakis did, and then he's been seventeen and twenty mil the last two years because he's like a steady two win player. Like, come on, he was man. a one win defender. I mean, it's, the, the mid market it. is it's brutal and it's it's unfair, man. It really is. Like the, these guys aren't getting their due, 
and it's he's absolutely hit a absurd. total of 88 home runs over the course of the last three seasons and does not have a job. And that's with giving away a season. And and playing majority to what two and a half of those years in Kaufman. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, this guy has anywhere power. Um he's actually he can hit for a decent average too at his high end. He hit two seventy two in twenty seventeen for uh for Moustakis. Someone so, needs to give this yeah. guy a three year deal. I just we'll see where he goes, but uh pick one fifty nine on average. I'm buying that. But uh, that's going to wrap us up today. Like I said, we do have plenty of guys left. We have uh, our, our capable guys, some bounce-back gambles, deep leaguers, prospects besides Vlad, and then Swiss Army Knives, and then even some meh late-rounders, those of you who play deep leagues. Uh, we'll get to that as well. So we'll do that early next week, and then next Friday will be first base. But, Justin, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Hopefully you win your pool, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.